Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. Well, I just want to continue in a series we started a few weeks ago, uh, stirred from some of the meetings we had with uh, <clears throat> Rex Crane and, and actually what the Lord is doing in our midst as a church about stewarding the move of God. <clears throat> Today, I want to talk to you, see how far we get about uh, creating a place that is, that is inviting a dwelling place of the Lord. And we said this to steward means <clears throat> to actively direct the affairs, to manage, to administer, to guide, to supervise, to carry on and conduct, to oversee. You know, we are charged as God's people. How many of you know you could have been alive back in the 1500s? <clears throat> you could have been alive at 1100 A.D. You could have been alive around 640 A.D. Here we are, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are still commissioned to steward God's presence in our generation. I'm not responsible for what happened a 1,000 years ago. I wasn't born, <clears throat> but I am responsible for this time, and so are you. And so are you, amen? I said that with a life-giving way, amen? <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10, just as each one of you has received a special gift, let me say that again. As each one of you has received a special gift, you all have a special gift, <clears throat> a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another, as is appropriate for good stewards. Good stewards. That's what we're called to. And uh, I read last, uh, a few weeks ago that in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are God's ambassadors. That we are ambassadors for Christ. The Bible says that means to, the ambassador means that we are to grow up and be mature. Hey, boy, you are awfully quiet in this full gospel church. To grow up and be mature means not stay the same. That, that means we got to be forever growing. Oh, Pastor Mike, I don't like reading. Well, listen to something, <laughs> you know, that'll grow you. Well, you know, we are to constantly be growing. And, and uh, it, it, it actually means a respected ambassador who is authorized to speak as God's emissary. And, and uh, uh, you know, we are commanded to steward God's church. We are commanded to, to, to steward his presence in our midst. Now, that doesn't mean I heard of a, a pastor one time saw kids playing in the, in the church in and when they got towards the front of the altar, they were running, and they stopped, and they just tiptoed past the front altar. Then they took off running. <clears throat> Listen, kids run around everywhere in this church, and that's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. And we're not talking about being superstitious or anything weird or odd like that. But you know what? God dwells in his people. You, God dwells in each one of you. And as we come together corporately, there's something unique that he does only corporately in the local church. And so you can have your little prayer closet, and I encourage that. Amen? Down from oldest to youngest. Kids learn to worship, to study. But when we come together, there are things we can only receive corporately that we can't get individually. I believe that. Otherwise, there's no need for the local church. There's no need for me or any other minister. There's no need. But there's, God will withhold things until you come. And sometimes it may even be a boring sermon. Come on, somebody, but God can speak something even in that and go, wow, I received something today from the Lord. So here's my key point here and a key verse, and we'll see how far we can get here. Every church, according to the Bible, is supposed to be a dwelling place for God's presence. Every church. Sadly, it's not so. 
Some of it is just a social club. It's, it's a place to just get, you know, pass out your business card. Come on, somebody. You know, it's a meet new, who's new connections. That is not the primary. Relationship and fellowship will happen. It needs to happen. But it's really, we are to steward and protect God's presence. Lord willing, next week I'm going to illustrate <clears throat> a little bit. There's some, some, some Old Testament stories that how Satan really comes in and, and tries to remove uh, the presence of God or that place that, 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 that you, you, you slotted in your life that you have to remove that. And, and if I could say it, I don't like to say steal, but remove the presence of God in your life. We know God is omnipresent, right? He's everywhere at all times. It's like, how could he do that? Well, there's some interesting Old Testament <clears throat> passages that talk about uh, that Satan comes in and he, he tries to, in, you know, hijack that in our life, is what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> Ephesians 2.22. The scripture says, in him, which is Christ, and, and which is, is interesting if you look up that word, in him, which is Christ, it means in Christ and in fellowship with one another. In Christ and in fellowship with one another. It is not, you are not an island to yourself. I am not an island to yourself. So in Christ, but also in fellowship with one another, there's the church, you are being built together. In the Greek, it means with other Christians. You are being built together with other Christians. See the purpose of the church, how important it is for us to be together. Uh, in company with other believers, it means, it means to construct. So we don't come and do nothing. We don't come and clock in and clock out. We come and we are constructing, we're building, we're part of God's eternal kingdom that's gonna last forever. Being made part of the church of Christ, actually what it means, it says, uh, in him you're also being built together into a dwelling place. Somebody shout dwelling place. <clears throat> For God by the Spirit. What are we doing? We are creating a place that God loves to inhabit. We bring part of Christ with us, but when we come again corporately, he inhabits. He shows up in the place in a greater magnitude, and, and frankly, he can be stronger in certain places than he is in others because he's welcome. And there are things <clears throat> that those believers do, not by works, but out of love and service, that they do to help uh, create an atmosphere that he likes to be at. And I want to talk to you about those here in a moment. But we are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Actually, some translations say a habitation. A habitation. It means an abode, <clears throat> talking like specifically like a temple, a church, uh, where God may dwell. He loves, God loves to dwell with his people. He loves to dwell. He, his desire, uh, I don't want to get into next week, but his desire is to be with his people. <clears throat> when you wake up and you go to work tomorrow morning or whatever you're about to do, <clears throat> don't think of like, well, I clocked in and did my time on Sunday and that was it. God is with you. He wants to dwell and commune with you as you go to work. <clears throat> as you're in your car, as you're on the road hauling or trucking or whatever, he wants to commune with you. But when we come together corporately, his dwelling, his presence increases in our midst as we have come together. And that's why unity is so important. Unity is so important in the house of God. Another translation says, the Amplified Ephesians 2.22, in him and in fellowship with one another, you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Can you say amen? 
You are part of that building. Christ has built as a place for God's own spirit to live. He desires, he desires to commune, to inhabit, to be a part of this place that when we come together, we sense his presence. I remember back in, I think it was 1996, Mary Lee could could, could confirm this, but uh, we went to Pensacola, uh, the Brownsville uh, move of God, where tremendous outpouring of people were getting saved and delivered and and I remember standing in, in line, and there was 10,000 people in line to go to church. People don't do that if they're just having a good turkey dinner. <clears throat> because God's there. And so the Dallas Morning newspaper, or Dallas News, came and was like interviewing people. <laughs> and uh, merely probably have hundreds of testimonies of this. But, and they interviewed someone, and they said, what are you doing standing in line here? Why are you waiting for hours He said, I don't know. All I know is someone said, God's in that building. That's what I want here. Harvest, that it be known that the Lord is in this place. That the presence of God, if you come, that you can bring someone that they are anti, against the things of God. You can bring them in here and all that stuff falls off of them and they go, wait a minute, something's real. I don't understand it and I don't know what's going on. I can't even articulate it, but God's there in that house. Hallelujah. And so, so often churches desire to have more of God's presence in their gatherings, but they don't know how to make that happen, or I should say create an environment or, or facilitate an atmosphere that is conducive in the Lord showing up. <clears throat> so as I said, I want to see more of God's presence showing up. And some people think, well, if God's there, then all of God's there, because when he's there, all. Do you know the Bible talks about measures of the Spirit? Have you ever heard that? It talks about love, great love, you know, loving less. It talks about faith, little faith, great faith. What is this? These are measures. So God can come in a measure, but then he can come in a greater measure (laughs) as people position themselves. And so I want to see my desire, and I believe that's your desire, to see the Lord Jesus Christ show up in uh, more of his presence where, where we see more people get saved. Amen? People, people water baptize. You know, water baptism is spiritual warfare. There's <clears throat> an amazing testimony. I won't get into it. But every time that person goes down under the water, there is a shout to the gates of hell, you are defeated and someone is risen in righteousness. Every single time. We baptized 23 people a few weeks ago. And it was a mucky pond out there, Brophy, sticks and all. But you know what? 23 people went down, and when they went down, their voice shouted to those in darkness that Jesus Christ is Lord, the kingdom of God is moving forward, and I lay that down. Anyhow, that's a whole message right there. I want to lose my voice. Miracles. I desire to see people set free. I desire people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I tried that one time. I walked down. I don't know if I received. Don't give up. Continue to press in. Nobody's judging nobody here, okay? Some may have a demonstrative experience. Some may not. My wife tells that when they prayed for her, people, you know, this back in the 70s. And they're right back in the 70s. And, you know, they surround and they shout at you. And then they push you down. You know, because you're not going. 
So we're just going to keep pushing you to go down. You've got to forgive the church for some of the loopy things we've done in the past, all right? <laughs> some of you have been a part of that. And, and so they would shout, and Rhonda, you know my wife, she ain't letting nobody push her down. But she went home. Come on, somebody. And she got on her knees by her bed, and she said, Lord, if this is real for, from you, I receive it. She was filled with the Spirit. Amen? Don't quit. Don't give up. <clears throat> just press on in. Amen? Press on in. How many with me say amen? All right, I'm not going to keep you long here today. Um, I have a few points. We'll just, uh, uh, just hit on a few of those here. So how do we facilitate? How do we, I should say, create an atmosphere where we do steward the move of God? I don't know if it's me, but I'm getting a little warm back here, so maybe check the temperature there, someone. <clears throat> but maybe it's just me. Number one, raise expectation. We had to raise expectation, Okay. When the members understand why we absolutely need God's presence in the church, that will or should cultivate a desire and expectation in us for it. Now, what does that mean? I wrote this down. When we remove faith and expectancy from our church attendance, that's when we become a church shopper. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Do you know what a church shopper is? A church shopper comes and to church with an expectation of what are you going to tantalize and give me today, pastor? What are you going to do for me today? How fancy or funny are you going to be today, pastor? Oh, the worship wasn't that great today. <clears throat> I'm going to shop somewhere else. No, 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 no. We are not called to be church shoppers. We are called, God plants people in churches. He does. He calls. Jesus went into the synagogue, and he said, come out from among them. He calls. Jesus does call people from other churches. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean whatever. He does take people up, and he, he brings them in. But we are not called, our posture is not one of, what are you going to do for me today? No, 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 it's, Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. Lord, what, how can I minister to your people today? What can I do? Lord, I exalt, I worship you. How can I serve? Lord, that's the right attitude. Said that with a smile. Amen? <clears throat> we got to raise the expectation, all right? And <clears throat> uh, that, that, that it's about the Lord. And see, here's the thing. The greatest tool for you connecting to God is not the quality maybe of our church or maybe the great ministries, but the depth of your faith when you come expecting. When I come to church, it's not, all right, let's see what happens today. <laughs> well, that wasn't that great. I didn't like that. No, when I come, even though I got issues, problems, Lord, I love you. Lord, I, there's a lot of stuff I'm dealing with right now, but Lord, I just worship. I, I'm going to clap. I'm going to sing. I'm going to praise the Lord because I'm coming not to, to get but to give. But see, we, we serve a God that when, whenever we give, he always gives more back. He always gives us more back because he's a giver. Amen. So we need to raise the expectation. That's how we build faith and hunger. And that's my desire here at Harvest. We want every person to encounter God's presence every week in this church. Say, well, I know, are some services heavier than others? Yes. You know, people with things, you know, they carry stuff and they come in. That's all right. God is greater than your heaviness. I said, God is greater than your heaviness. And the oppression you may feel. 
or the disappointment, whatever it may be. We are people of the presence of God. Why? Why, Pastor Mike? Are you chasing emotions? No, but we know Jesus, it says, was touched by the feelings of our emotions in Hebrews. Jesus also is a feeling God. And in there are denominations, that's all they run after is feeling, and then those that we just logic, you know, we want to, you know. Uh, but I want to stay in the middle, <laughs> circumspect. <laughs> but God is also a God that is not, not touched by the feeling of our infirmities, the Scripture said. And so we want to be a people of the presence. Why? Because I know this. In the presence of God, anything, everything is possible. What you're going through, what may you be feeling... You could be touched in the presence of God. Nobody lay hands on you. We see the testimonies a few weeks ago of that with people in their life. They're just touched in the presence. We want to be known as a church of the presence of God. And, and not just a, you know, the term has been used in the past about seeker-friendly. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, thank God for churches that are seeker-friendly. I don't want to be unseeker-friendly here. You know, we don't want to be uninviting here, but I want to be Holy Spirit-sensitive. That's really my passion, and it is to welcome new people, to love on them, to receive them. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> that come, but we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, I wrote this down. I have zero Zero uh, interest in creating a, a social Sunday meet club. I mean, I know that stuff happens, and people love to connect, and people love to, you know, uh, just fellowship, and that is part of the body of Christ. It's part of the body of Christ, but that's not the sole reason we come to church. Amen? <laughs> It is to worship, to expect God's presence in our midst. And so, so we raise the expectation. We talk about it more often. We share on it. How many with me say amen? What does that mean, practically speaking? It means everyone should come to church expecting the presence of God to show up. Because why? You're bringing him with you. You're coming, Right? And, and that means we, 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 we expect uh, him to show up and, and through our praise and worship, whether singing, clapping, praying, celebrating, uh, expecting God's presence in our midst. Uh, we know that, you know, sometimes people lay attend for various reasons and social reasons as I touched on and some you know, it's maybe a family member or they feel a little bit obligated. Regard, no matter what, you're here. That's what matters. <laughs> Excuse me. You're here. That's what matters. You came to church expecting encounter. You know, I like to come to church with the expectation that the woman who was sick, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. <clears throat> you know, I got to kind of press through some things. I have to maybe, through the crowd, not everyone let everyone know what's going on with me at this time because I, 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 I'll fellowship with you. I'll talk with you. You're a good friend, but I got to touch Jesus. Every week, all right, every day, but every Sunday we come to touch the Lord. And sometimes you have to be laser focused when you come and say, it's my time. I'm going to worship and pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do But I'm, I've come to touch the Lord. And we can experience that corporately here. And then, uh, okay, let me just touch on this one. I think another thing that is very important, how to facilitate, create an atmosphere uh, in a local church is having prayer. Remember that word? <laughs> prayer. And pre-service prayer is uh, ever since we started this church, 
Julie could testify, and Jack, and some of those are part of beginning Jeff Anderson and then Penny. If it was in my house where we started on Mary Ridge, the bedroom was right near the living room. I would pray before service, and then I would come out of my bedroom, and there was everybody in my living room, <laughs> you know? I just remember Jeanine Schauble one time, like, Mike, what are you doing in there? I said, I'm praying, I'm praying. <clears throat> but it's grown, but we have pre-service prayer, and they pray for God's presence to manifest powerfully on Sunday mornings back there in that small room. Usually, I love it, I walk in and it's packed. And my prayer was when dear Arlene, she was, a, at times there was years, it was just her and I praying. And when she passed away, my prayer was like, oh dear God, will you please add, add more consistently? to pray in the church, and he has. He really has. I walk in that room, and Mary Lee's the head intercessor, and, and there is, it's packed. Sometimes I don't even go in there because it's so packed, they can't. And I, and I don't mind if it moves out of that little room and goes into one of the classrooms. I don't mind that at all. I don't think any of those intercessors would mind that. What am I trying to say? The importance of having prayer. What do we do? We pray for hunger in the people. They pray against anything that would try to hinder people from encountering God. They pray against apathy, condemnation, distraction, unbelief. All these things are going on while they're praying in and for the service. And what does that mean? What are we doing? We're announcing our expectation of God's presence in our midst. That's what we're doing. We're prophetically declaring beforehand. Why? So we're all on the same page. Yes, there are personal items and things they pray about, but as corporately we come together. You know, the early church did that in Acts chapter 4, verse 20 now. 9, the Bible says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, signs and wonders which are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the Bible says, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's the effects of prayer. You know, and I think about why, especially in the upper Midwest here, uh, uh, people, a lot, lot, lot of them just chalk it up as, you don't see a lot. I mean, some of the quietest meetings are prayer meetings. Some of the least attended meetings are prayer meetings. And let me just say this in a life-giving way. What is your theology on prayer? You need to address that. My theology on prayer is that prayer can move the heart of God. Moses prayed when God said, I'm done with the children of Israel. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to take you and raise up a new nation. He said, if you do that, kill me. He intercedes. God says, I relent. Okay. God likes that. He doesn't want robots. God is looking for people that are pray. Prayer change thing. It's not some mindless thing that we do that just doesn't do anything and change. Or it's just an act of obedience. you got to pray, just, just be obedient. It's not going to do anything. Well, who wants to do that? Order a pizza and watch a movie. Come on. But if prayer really can change things, we are here today because of prayer. This building is here today because of prayer. The kingdom of God is moving forward. The nations have been touched and tens of thousands, over a million dollars expended Almost 1.2 million, Julie would correct me on that, expended to missions. That's a miracle, but it came with prayer. Prayer. How many with me? Say amen. And very quickly, there's room for you to pray before the service, 
and or Saturday, we pray from 9 to 10, 10 a.m. We've been doing that for years, over 10 years now, praying just on Saturday, but we have pre-service prayer. Can I give a life-giving challenge? If you deem me as your pastor, can I give you a life-giving challenge? This is a life, this is no condemnation. This is not works. This is a, the, uh, here's a challenge for 2024, that's next year. Pretty much we got between 50 or 52 Saturdays, do we not? We have between 50 or 52 Sundays, do we not? One time in the year, 2024, I want to give a challenge to the whole church body, bring your family and come to prayer once. Just once. Just so you can show up and go, oh, who's back here? <laughs> He's like, I don't know what to say. Don't worry. Listen to them as they're praying. We'll help you. I know that may be a big ask out of 100 days next year, once. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you. That is not a big ask. Is that a big ask? In 100 days, just once, to say, we're going to go. I, I, can see, I can see what's going to happen. I'm just excited. I'm excited. <laughs> but you know what? It matters when we come together. Okay, that's not a heavy, that, just, just to say, let's pray about that. I don't care what it is, but Saturday from 9 to 10 or Sunday from 9 to usually it's about 9.30. Some of think, oh, that's a shorter one. I'll come to that one. <laughs> I don't care. It's all right. Merrily, let's get prepared. Amen? Hallelujah. And then, all right, I'm almost done here. And so, you know, really, <clears throat> prayer is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Okay? <clears throat> And you know, here's the thing. God may seem silent. It doesn't mean that he's absent. Okay? He's there. And then I would say this about worship, the importance of worship. Worship in our life personally, but also corporately as we come together. I know as a church here uh, that we really had a lot of stuff just really put together really well. And we had some really challenges with our sound system. Some of you remember last year and even to the beginning of this year and a lot of those, thank God, we've got worked out. And, but, you know, I do remember this time I went to South Africa, and I went to one of the black townships to preach, Davyton. Davyton was the name of the township. And my brother and I were there, and uh, my friend, my South African friend, Colin, he said, uh, my man, we could get you to preach. You could come to the town. And, and I'm like, okay. <clears throat> and I said, how long do we need to advertise? He goes, Word of mouth, by the time we walk into the town and you get there, you'll have a crowd. I'm like, what? Where's the flyers? Where was the videos with all in play? And this is the dynamic worship we're going to have. None of that. We show up, about 100 people show up in a garage. And so my brother, the guy has a three-string guitar. How many strings in a guitar? Five, two are missing. That's just what I was trying to get. I don't know if it's seven or what. Uh, but but th that's all he's playing. I said, to, he hands it to my brother, and my brother's like, I don't know what to do with this. But then one of the guys came up, took the guitar, and the other one's just on a little bit of a bungle thing, and they were worshiping God, singing, shouting. I'm like, oh my God, I feel God here. No video, no lights, no nothing. The church came together. The church came together. Encountering worship. And so, Caitlin and the worship team, and they're doing an amazing job, and all those that serve back there, and sound and lighting, and we are so thankful and grateful. And that is stewarding, that is stewarding God's presence. 
You need to hear that. Worshiping, you're stewarding God's presence. And, and they seek the Lord of the songs that we can sing and to where people can encounter the Lord. We can meet with Jesus as we come week to week, encouraging people through the songs, through worship, to surrender to Christ, to fix their eyes on Jesus. Sometimes really all what you need is when you come to church, get your mind off yourself. How many of you know that when you're dealing with some things, things may be heavy in your life, if you, if, you, if you don't have an outlet for something else, that's always on your mind. How many hear what I'm saying? But then you go, oh, something's broken. I need to fix that. While you're doing that, typically you're focused on that, right? And then you get back to, oh, I got this issue. Oh, I got this. No, worship, when we come here, if you focus on the Lord, and you worship him in spirit and truth, all that stuff begins to melt away. It doesn't mean that there's things that don't need to be addressed or whatever. There's a healing process. Regardless, God will give you the ability and strength to go, I can get through this. I can get through this, for my Lord is with me. Stand with me if you would, please. Psalm 42, 1 to 2 says, As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O my God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? I think of, uh, uh, very quickly here, another point was about exhortation and the importance of exhorting. And, and uh, <clears throat> we, we do that here at the church and during and before and after the service, people exhorting. And I think of a situation that I was part of the Country Bible Church or the Destiny Church in Ashby. And it was around 19, I think it was 96 or 97, we were uh, constructing the Destiny Center, the youth center that's out on the interstate, exit 77. And so uh, that I was a youth guy back then. <clears throat> and I remember we had some meetings, and it was this talk. There was a lot of talk. We're going to build a Destiny Center. We're going to build a Destiny Center. We're going to do it. And it just came to time we pulled the trigger. <laughs> and, <clears throat> and we pulled the trigger. It was myself, Pastor Steve, and a few others. We actually physically took wood and we laid out all the footings and uh, shot all the right levels and we poured the foundation. So the church service, that was like a Friday or Saturday. And so that Sunday, we had a gathering at church and people were kind of, when you talked about the Disney Center, it was like, yeah, someday. Yeah, someday. And I was exhorting. And as I was exhorting, people were like, yeah, okay. He's just a talking head up there. But you see, God knows what to say and when to say it. And in that moment, I felt stirred. I said, you know what, church? In Jesus' name, we are moving forward with this building. And I wanted you to know that two days ago, we laid the foundation for that building. Andrew, you're probably in that service. And the moment I said that, something broke in the audience. Something just shattered where the people just kind of shook. The Spirit of God came in that place, changed the whole atmosphere. I'm telling you, they're charismatic. They began to run around the place. I began to run around, was excited. We had a guest speaker. He was like, what's going on? I mean, it was just an unleashing of the joy of the Lord because something broke forth. One word. The foundation has been laid. Hallelujah. Amen. Every head bowed, please, here this morning. Thank you, Lord. A dwelling place for God. A dwelling place for God. We are, we are called, each and every one of us, to protect that. And that can be challenging. That can be painful at times. Because sometimes it's, it's, just, it's easier to, to not. But I thank God that there are spiritual, wonderful people here in this place that really care 
about the house of God. You care to protect God's presence here. And friends, I, I can promise you this. As we do, this is just some of these points, but as we do these things and continue to grow in these things, watch and see what the Lord will do in our midst. There's mightier days ahead than behind. I said there are mightier days ahead of God's miracle-working power in front of us, not behind us. <laughs> I believe that for you, for your children, for your little kids that grow up to know the Lord. They're not going to grow up and know the Lord being involved in some kind of a social club. They're going to grow up and know the Lord being a part of a local church that preaches and teaches the truth that is a beacon set on a hill, that is a light that cannot be covered. And some of you can even testify, like my kids today are serving the Lord because of the house of God. Because of the house of God. Thank you, Lord. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I'm not right with the Lord. The Bible uses the term backslid, but you know, it's kind of a strange. But really, it just means you're not, you really are not all in with the Lord. And maybe you're feeling stirred here this morning, say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what God is doing a dwelling place, and I need to get my life right today. What a beautiful day. Today is a beautiful day. Second Corinthians talks about now is the time. Today is the day for salvation for your life. He said, Pastor, that's me. I want to get right with God. I want to get on this journey, and I want to move forward in God's purpose for my life. I want to pray corporately with all of us, but if that's you, you pray this prayer in all sincerity. You invite the Lord into your life. Watch and see what he'll do in your life. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.